Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of my new podcast, Ask Alaska. It's a podcast where you can seek advice, ask questions about life, or ask anything you want, really. It's brought to you by Call Out Culture, and I am your host, Alaska. So let's dip into the mailbag and see what the people want to know. Our first question comes from Kirk. Kirk asks, hey Alaska, thanks for opening yourself up to the questions like this. I'd really appreciate your perspective on something. The quick and dirty about me, I'm just about 31 years old, and I've been doing music in various forms since I was 14. I have a job that pays the bills, I'm also an educator, uh, and that allows me to do my music more or less on my own terms. I originally came up in the hardcore scene, not hip hop. However, I really made a point to acknowledge and connect with the OGs from my hometown and regional scene. I was recently asked to join a collective by some of them. To give you an idea of the demographics, I'm at least eight years younger than everyone else, uh, with some of the people in their late 40s or 50s. I've been in this collective for a couple years now, and realistically, aside from getting my songs on a sampler CD, being in the group hasn't provided me with any material opportunities for my music. In fact, I think it may be a hindrance. The setbacks are primarily due to interpersonal drama between these lifelong friends, and realistically, it has nothing to do with me. Yet I get sucked into their petty shit. My question for you is, as a younger guy, how do I balance my convictions to honor those who came before me while also looking out for my own best interests? I'm not so much looking for you to weigh in on whether or not I should leave this crew or not. I'm seeking advice from your perspective as someone who's on the other side of this equation. It's easy to just go, is it easy to just go at it alone and say fuck everyone else? But at the end of the day, I care about the legacy of my music uh, and the legacy that my music will be associated with. In your opinion, how does a young artist go about that? Thanks for asking, Kirk. This is a bit of a complex question because, you know, having artists to bounce ideas off of is a really important development tool for your art. You need to have people that you can connect with, that you can really honestly compete with. Um, you know, the people that when you make music, you want them to smile and be like, yeah, that's that shit. Like, that's the feeling you want. Um, and one of the things that happens to people, I think, especially like sort of niche scenes like the hardcore scene or the underground hip hop scene is people that become lifers in such a field get very calcified. They tend to get sort of stuck in the air in the era where they were sort of most treasured by the scene maybe. And a lot of times this creates boundaries that they put upon themselves and others so coming into this as a newer artist it's important not to get bogged down in the politics of groups like that because doing so will actually do the same thing to your music and your creativity see one of, one of the things that you start to notice when you've been around a scene long enough is there are always old heads around that are just sort of like around they talk all the good talk. They're like, you know, oh, I knew this person. I was down with this person. But they never really did shit for themselves. 
they never went out and created, you know, a scene for themselves, opportunities for themselves. They just sat and waited for everybody else to take them with them. And when you're around long enough, you start to notice these people and you notice that they're always talking about what they're going to do, the opportunities and the things that they're going to make happen, but they never make shit happen. They just sit around waiting and they sort of create a victim mentality for themselves. And it's very easy to get caught up in that, especially if you tie your fate to them. So my, my advice for you really would be, you know, if you feel like you, you know, you want to honor them and you want to be loyal to them, um, keep them around, but don't let anything that they do feel or say control the way that you feel that you need to create, you know, because once you start creating around the ideas that other people have, you're sucking the soul out of your own music. Your music should be the truth to you. Your art should be the truth to you. And the things that you do should be in service to that. If you want to honor legacies, that's how you honor legacies. By being in service to the music that you love and the purity of it. Because the only way that you could like really ever be true to something that once was is by not growing. You know, you have to evolve. If you're still making the same music you were making 10 years ago, you haven't evolved as an artist and you're kind of a shit artist at that point. You're like basically painting by numbers. You're a cover artist of yourself, if that makes sense. So, so that would be my advice. Like, it sounds like you have friendships and there's people you care about. Cultivate those, stay away from the bullshit and do the music that makes you happy. I mean, you're in a position where you can do that and you don't need to worry about what anybody else has to say. Thanks for your question, Kirk. <clears throat> Our next question comes from the homie Dan O over at Free Music Empire. Dan asks, someone who developed their online presence in a fake artificial way, can they transition into a more respectable place? Have you ever seen this happen? Once you've entrenched yourself in a brand that's butt cheeks, but is working for you, is it too far to turn back? And this is an interesting question, Dan, because I feel like it's not like it's never people love a redemption arc. Um, so there, there's always opportunities for people to turn their shit around. Like I'm trying to like think of like people I know of who did this. Like, I mean, I guess you could look at like somebody like Little Dicky, like people fucking hate Little Dicky and they hate his music, but they love his fucking TV show. So like, I think in some ways he, he sort of rebuilt himself in a new image, um, by doing something different. Like it, it might be hard to do it on a level where it's like, you're doing the same thing that you got through on by like being an asshole about it. Like I think of your old Droog or whatever the fuck his name is. Like people I know still are just like, whatever with that dude. Cause his whole shit like came up on, on like some falsehoods and people feel fucking jerked by that. And he hasn't done anything to like show any sort of like redemption about it. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe he doesn't have to, he's got his following, but 
I think it's, you know, it really depends on the circles that you're around. Uh, I think of another person like Riff Raff. Like Riff Raff, I think, started on a fucking dating show. It was like an idiot on a dating show. And now he's kind of like this beloved weirdo. Um, just by like sort of leaning more into himself and just being weird about shit. Um, who else is like a butt cheeks brand? I, I even think like Childish Gambino. Like when he came out, his shit was corny. But he got over a little bit because he was like he was Donald Glover and people loved him from community. But now people look at that dude like he's the he's the ultimate genius of our time and he might be. Like he's he's a creative monster and he he's not like seen as like that dumb battle rapper, um, or you know, like cornball celebrity using his previous fame to be a rapper. He's like a legit artist. So I do think it's possible. I know like you're, you're probably not referring to somebody that had that level of success, but you know, I think you have to move beyond the field maybe that you were in like vanilla. Ice ain't never going to be respected as a rapper, no matter what he does. Um, so yeah, I mean, even like, I guess Marky Mark, like he's a respected actor now. So you can, you can swing it back around. It's just, it's just difficult. And I don't know if you could do it in the same area that you started. So on that note, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. I'm the Coronet mother. And if you're in the market for cribs, strollers, high chairs, play pens, and toys, then Coronet's for you. At Coronet, we have two giant warehouses loaded with stock at Coronet's famous low, low discount prices. Coronet opens seven days a week where you get giant discounts for little people and no talking orangutans. Hey, Ma, what are you making for dinner? <laughs> Reservations. <laughs> Coronet, 1111 Old Country Road, Westbury. And welcome back. So uh, right now we have a trio of questions from the homie uh, Big R who's a, a long-time call-out culture listener, uh, Patreon supporter, frequent mailbag uh, contributor. And uh, Reddy's got three questions for us. So the first one I'm going to come to is, he wants to know what my favorite live-action Star Wars series is on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's got to be Obi-Wan, um, you know, just because it's got Darth Vader in it, and it was uh, had some real crazy, crazy fly fight scenes some cool like world building and, and filling in of history. Um, you mentioned you like Andor a lot. I do like Andor so far, but you know, I think we got to see how the whole season goes before anything. I'm really looking forward to Ashoka uh, or Ahsoka. Uh, I think that's going to be really dope. She's like my favorite star Wars character. And um, yeah, I think that that's probably it for me. I, I, the Mandalorian, I really didn't like the first season, second season, third season were pretty dope. I think there was a third season. Maybe I'm mistaken it. And Boba Fett was ass cheeks. Uh, and then uh, Big R also wants to know, you're the dad of a teenager, I think. Not quite yet, but by January, yes. Uh, and uh, Big R is the father of a toddler and a newborn. He wants to know if I could give somebody some advice to my, if I could give advice to myself when I was the dad of a newborn slash toddler, what would it be? Um... I know this is going to sound really like corny, but it's kind of like really cherish those things. Like there's times where you're going to feel tired and exhausted and like, you're just going to want to like sit down, but it's like all of those moments that you have at that age are real, like precious building blocks for when 
your kid gets older. Um, it builds a lot of like trust and, and, uh, care and respect between the two of you. Like, you know, because as kids get older, they definitely start to try to pull away. They want to have their own lives and you got to let them have that. So, you know, you have, you have these people for a short period of time where it's like, you know, you're their world. Um, and you know, they're your, they're your world forever, but there's a, a short period of time where you're there, you're, you're their world. Eventually they see the the bigger world and they want to travel it. So just like embrace those times, like do the things you don't want to do. Um, and just enjoy it and enjoy watching them grow and learn. Um, there's really nothing better than that. And, you know, as they get older, foster more independence and sleep train, fucking sleep train. If you don't sleep train, you're going to be miserable. So it's, it's worth it. That's my advice to everybody. Sleep train sooner, the better. <clears throat> and, uh, his final question is, what do you think the greatest draft jets draft blunder of all time is? And why is it choosing Sam Darnold over Josh Allen and, or Lamar Jackson? Um, I don't think that Sam Darnold was the biggest draft blunder. Uh, in my time as a Jets fan, I would say probably D. Milner was a bigger blunder. He was pretty terrible and never contributed a goddamn thing. I think Sam Darnold was sort of the consensus top pick. Um, I wanted them to take Lamar Jackson. I thought Lamar Jackson was going to be really good. And anybody saying that they thought Josh Allen was going to be good is revisionist history at this point. Nobody thought he was going to be good. They were like, he's, you know, a project. Projects usually don't work out. He was like the one out of 50 chance that did work out. Landed in a perfect situation. And he's damn good. Um, but anybody like kind of being like at that time, Josh Allen was the move is full of shit. I know Buffalo fans are going to say, oh, we always wanted him. You didn't always want him. You got him. You were like, okay, I guess we'll deal with it. And you got lucky. But, uh, yeah, he's good. I mean, I, I would say Lamar Jackson is the one that everybody should be ashamed of because he was guaranteed to be good and everybody like wanted to find a reason to move him to wide receiver. Okay, our next question comes from Colin. Colin wants to know, if I hadn't started rapping but still became a musician, what kind of band would I be in? I probably would have been in like either a metal band or a hardcore band, like a punk band. Um, that was the music I was really into as a kid uh, before I started getting into hip hop. Um, so I, I think that's where I would have gone. I, I really always wanted to be able to play guitar. I was never able to because I wasn't dedicated or coordinated enough. Um, and yeah, I think I'd be in a metal band as early and then maybe I would have like transitioned into something similar to a dude like Frank Turner, where it's like, you know, sort of this sort of like post, I'm sorry, not post this, uh, folk punk type thing. Um, I, I could have seen myself going in that direction, but, uh, luckily I found rap because I'm much better at that than I ever was at any instrument. Uh, thank you for your question, Colin. And, uh, and we have one final question. This one comes from uh, a friend of mine, Professor Andrea Jones-Roy, uh, who has their own podcast called Majoring in Everything. Uh, and Andrea asks, 
what's the meaning of life? It's real fucking existential up in here, uh, professor. But I will try my best to answer this. So the way I see it is the meaning of life is building joy in your universe. Um, finding the things, and it's, I mean, it's corny and cliche, but uh, I think there's, you know, there's a few things that help you build to this. So, so I talk with a lot of young people and I know that makes me sound like I'm fucking Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds or some shit. Like I'm going to pull a chair up and sit on it backwards and start talking to you about how real shit is. But I, I talk with people that are so in their own head and in their own way that they sort of miss the things that are great, right? Like, you know, we're often sort of told that the things that are difficult or the things that make us not feel right are the things that we should avoid. And I don't think we should actually avoid those things, um, at least from my perspective and the things that have worked for me. Um, I think you have to go through these things. Like, you know, we hear a lot about anxiety and anxiety being this major thing that is sort of leaving a lot of people feeling helpless and feeling lost. But we tend to avoid addressing our anxiety. Um, anxiety is a very natural part of life. It's a natural part of growth. And when you avoid that or you try to like find ways to, to remove it from your life, you're removing growth from your life. Um, you have to go through these trials um, for lack of a better term. So, you know, anytime that I've gone through difficult times, I've, I've been able to learn from that. I've been able to learn that anxiety is just a natural state. Um, and if you're not feeling anxiety, you're probably not living life because you're stuck in one place. You're doing the same thing over and over again and you're being safe. The other thing that I think you need to do in order to find joy is find the most important superpower a person can have. And that superpower is not giving a flying fuck of what a stranger thinks about you. And in a lot of cases, what people you even know think about you. If there are people in your world that don't like the things that you're doing and you're not hurting anybody and you're finding the things that bring you joy, those people need to fuck off. If it's strangers telling you that, they double need to fuck off. So it's, you know, it, it's a fine line to walk when you're walking with, you know, the people that you care about and the people that you love. Um, hopefully you've been able to fill your, your life with people that will tell you the truth, tell you when you're getting out of step or out of, you know, out of pocket. Uh, and you're willing to trust them and be like, all right, maybe I am. But there are always going to be people that you love and care about that think they're loving and caring about you by telling you not to do the things that make you happy because they haven't done the things that make themselves happy. So they are fearful of seeing other people do that and other people be comfortable in their own skin. It makes them like physically uncomfortable. Um, so you have to be able to accept the fact that they're going to feel that way and they could fuck off and you need to just keep doing the things that bring you joy. So, you know, if you're living a life of misery, 
and there's no real like reason for you to be like you know there's no drought famine war um pestilence whatever it is like i mean i know we just came out of a pandemic but you know we're we came out of it and we're all still here so we need to like start moving forward um and yeah i think like that to me is the meaning of life finding the things that bring joy into your world because there's so much beauty and so much wonder and so many like great little moments that will paint the sort of the picture of your life and the love that you have that that's what you need to focus on. Everything else is bullshit. Like, I don't know to me, everything else is bullshit. Like being upset about a political situation in a country, you know, halfway across the world. Sure. It's tragic, but you know, I don't really give a fuck who's the queen of, or the king of Britain or who their PM is because at the end of the day, I have no control over it. it. Doesn't affect me. I feel the same way about somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like I'm not giving any energy to a person like that because one, I have no control over that person, and two, they don't actually do anything except fucking try to get attention. So I refuse to give them that. But that's you know those are sort of like more talisman of dysfunctional bullshit that people grab onto so yeah for me that would be my meaning of life do the things that bring you joy be around the people that bring you joy and constantly be on that quest for joy and growth so that was our first episode i hope you enjoyed it Uh, i'm gonna take you out on a song that i i grew up loving as like a sixth grader uh when my friend's uncle who worked for Polygram Records gave me this album uh, and it is a song called See You in Hell by the band Grim Reaper. Until next time, this is your buddy Ocean.